listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. The views on this show are not necessarily the views of KUCI, UCI, or its border regents. To learn more about this program or other, other programs on KUCI, log on to KUCI.org. My name is Anne. You're listening to Operation Community Stimulus. We have with us here in the studio Jeff Compton. He is actually... Um, here to share some information with us today about Blue Casa. It's a, a company that um, he has been with and is, uh, what is your position with Blue Casa? Um, uh, president and CEO. Okay, so I guess you know what's going on around there then, huh? <laughs> uh, that would be correct. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you, Jeff, so much for coming in today. Absolutely, a pleasure to be here. Well, it looks like you've got a pretty good, I was reading over some of your um, accomplishments and some of the, the, you know, I know a little bit about your, your role, but it looks like you've been with, is it uh, started off in business with Biz Economics, is that right? Is that what it is? Uh, Biz Economics mm -hmm. is a telecommunications consulting firm that I started a few years ago. Um, I, I actually started off in the telecom industry about 16 years ago with a small company called First World Communications, a telephone company based in Anaheim. So what did you start off? I mean, was your first job uh, paperwork or what? <laughs> uh, my first job was overseeing fiber, uh, fiber telecommunications cable uh, put under the streets of Anaheim and hooking it up to the telecommunications switching network. So what do they do? Do they actually trench to put tele uh, fiber optics? Is that how that's done? Or, I mean, it, it sounds kind of complicated to me. <laughs> they actually do it by uh, horizontal boring. Hmm. And they can dig a pothole size of about three feet wide. Mm -hmm. And then they can go horizontally for a couple hundred yards. And then they dig another pothole and make sure it's there. And then they keep going. And so hmm. they don't actually have to trench up the whole streets. Well, I remember doing something similar to that um, with um, um, with the um, when I when I put in a, what a sprinkling system. Sorry, when I put in sprinkling systems in Laguna Beach one time, I remember boring a hole with a piece of PVC, I think, and a garden hose. Is that pretty much almost the same, maybe? <laughs> It is on a little bit bigger scale. <laughs> so that's, that's cute. Well, Jeff, I know that you're very involved with the community, that you've been, you know, that you've done a lot. Um, could you share with us some of the stuff that, that, that you've done in the past? I, I, some of them, you know. Yeah, you know, personally, um, I've always tried to be involved uh, mm -hmm. in the community where I live and, and helping it to sustain the the lifestyle that's there mm -hmm. and uh, and to help the community members at large. Um, I've done uh, personally um, probably the you know small things mm -hmm. um, that I've done is you know grab some presents during Christmas time and go to a church and give them to a needy mm -hmm. family you know without the recognition you know just to go there and do it and for the sake of of, of feeling good um, I was uh, out in Norco I was one of the founding board members of the Norco Regional Conservancy I was actually president of that organization up until uh, just a couple months ago when I resigned because I moved sure. but the Norco Regional Conservancy 
Conservancy is a movement to preserve the open space and the horse trails in and around Norco. Uh, we've raised over my tenure, we raised over $100,000 uh, for, for the goodwill of the community. And, uh, well, I'm not sure if if of all excuse me, I'm not sure if a lot of our vis, uh, listeners have made it to Norco. I have, and I have to tell you, it's it's quite a community. You know, Norco is a really fun place, and if any listeners do wish to see the community mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and to see the horse or or, or the equestrian lifestyle mm-hmm. twice a year out there, the Norco Regional Conservancy has a ranch tour. And all the money's given to charity. Mm-hmm. And there's usually about 10 ranches that are part of the ranch tour. And you get a map, and you can go to each of the ranches and walk through their facilities. They have docents there that explain to you um, about the ranch and the types of horses mm-hmm. that are there. And uh, we usually get about four or 500 visitors. Mm-hmm. And many of them come from communities far away because mm-hmm. people love to see that. And it looks like you also had some affiliation with the uh, fire. Uh, what, what was the fire, uh, the desperate fire? Um? You know, like all communities, um, a couple years ago, they started feeling that they were a little bit cash-strapped. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there was a challenge to uh, some of the response times to the disparate mm-hmm. areas around the community uh, were taking a little bit longer than the five-minute standard in, in, in California. Uh, and there, there's an internal goal to get to the uh, emergency within about two and a half, three minutes. Um, so uh, there was a task force formed by by the uh, fire chief and uh, I was asked to be on it and I was nominated to be chairperson of the task force and 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 our goal was to uh, twofold uh, to try and uh, decrease the response time so the fire department and emergency medical response teams could make it to emergencies quicker but also find a way to save money at the same time oh, well that totally makes sense you, how many years did you live in Norco? Uh, we lived in Norco about eight and a half years and just moved to two months ago. I have to tell you, I made it out in Corona for about a year and a half. <laughs> I'm, I'm a beach person. I like it a little bit closer to the water. Yeah, it's a little bit warm <laughs> out there, that's for sure. It's, it's, it's unbelievable with the horses, and, and you actually see them walking down the street around Norco. Well, you know what? Norco in the 60s uh, decided to mm-hmm. uh, charter the city towards the equestrian lifestyle. So uh, they created a charter that said that every street that was constructed had to have a horse trail on the side of it, if not one on each side. Every business that opened up had to have a hitching post or a corral, and the houses that were built after that time had to have an animal keeping area that you couldn't build permanent structures on. So it's really a unique place in that you can leave your yard on your horse and ride to any business or residence in town. Hi, I didn't know that. I, I've been to Norco many times, and I didn't know there was a hitching post at every place. So, you know, even, hmm. even the dry cleaners has one. Um, I don't know if anybody's picked up their dry cleaners on a horse. But, um, you know, it, is, uh, it, it, it really uh, enables you to use your horse every day hmm. versus having to trailer out someplace, uh, and then it's more of a production and probably less likely to ride as often. Well, I've always said, because I'm from the dirt roads in Indiana, that I think every kid should live in the city and in the country. 
I agree. Absolutely. I, I think it makes a more well-rounded individual for all of us, actually. Mm-hmm. So, But now you've been with Blue Casa for how long have you been with the, with the phone service? Uh, we actually purchased the business March 18th of this year. Oh, wow. So, so we've just had it a couple of months mm-hmm. now. Um, I've been in the phone business for 16 years. Uh, nine and a half years I spent spent at a company called Telscape Communications. Mm-hmm. I was one of the original 10 people there. And uh, we, um, our charter at Telscape was also to serve the Hispanic market. Oh. Um, and so I knew that market very, very well. I knew of Blue Casa as Telscape mm-hmm. at one time was probably the premier telephone company serving the Hispanic market. Uh, and Blue Casa was a very close second. So I always had my eye on them and kept very good relations with them. And uh, when the opportunity came up that the old uh, regime was thrown in the towel and get ready to go, uh, that, that, that I seized the moment and, and put together a, um, a plan to buy the company. That is amazing. That's amazing. No, it's definitely... Um so you are going to cater just to the Hispanic market? Are you open to everybody? Or right, uh, we, we we are definitely open to everybody, and 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 it is very interesting that the the, the Hispanic community uh, likes to do business in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like to pay in cash. You know, about thirty percent of the market is unbanked. Uh, they like to speak Spanish, not a college-type Spanish, but a real street-type Spanish. Uh, they like to... Uh, the the, the uh, written communication should be in a certain way, and the you, you uh, promises to pay. Um, you know, they are very uh, committed to their promises. So if you work and work and work at finding a way to serve that community properly... The ironic thing is that the product that you create is a product that the general market really loves. Um, Mm. And uh, so about 40% of our customers are general market, not Hispanic. And um, so we we cater to everybody. We're also opening a business division now where we're going to sell telephone and internet service to businesses. Oh, that'll be real exciting because it's, um, it's. I mean, businesses need to have good deals too. <laughs> now, yeah. are you going to cater that just to the Hispanic market or are you, you're pretty open to anybody that you can help save some money? Is that kind of your motto? Yes, absolutely. You know what? One, once again, our, our mm-hmm. goal is to uh, put together a good product for everybody. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that I've noticed about the very small business is... The very small business does not have the luxury of having a telecom uh, expert on board or an IT expert on board. And uh, a lot of small business owners can't afford it. And when you talk to them about technology, their eyes kind of roll back in the back of their head. And, and, but they need help. A lot of the small businesses, that's one of their biggest frustrations, is not having that ability. So that's one of the things at Blue Casa Telephone that, that, that we're going to roll out, is very small business, uh, small business seminars where we teach them about telecommunications, teach them about technology, and give them the, the knowledge that they need so that they can harness that and, and move their business forward. So you're basically wanting to educate 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's how I've always done. Whenever I work for somebody, I always tell them I'm going to educate you, and then you make this decision, because I think a good salesperson doesn't sell anything. They educate in the person that that needs the product or the service, they will do the selling themselves. You know what? That is exactly right. I, mm-hmm. I was talking to a uh, salesperson this morning, actually, mm-hmm. and, and he was asking me that very same question is, you know, how am I going to convince my customers <laughs> that this is the right product? And I told them that you aren't going to. What you're going to do is spend the time and educate them, mm-hmm. and then they'll tell you what the right product is for them. Oh, absolutely. It's not. I don't care what it is you're doing in life. If a person, I used to work for Wells Fargo, and then people would come in and, you know, what are you going to sell me? I'm not going to sell you anything. I'm going to tell you what's up, and if you don't sell yourself, then across the street <laughs> no I didn't put it like that quite like that but no I think it's I think the days of the hardcore sales people are dead and gone and especially in the Hispanic market they're very kind kind people that I, the ones that I know are oh yeah absolutely <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah you know we we serve and and mm-hmm. and our company is made up of some of the best people mm-hmm. in the world and you know, just, <clears throat> just truly a pleasure to serve them when you acquired the company, when you guys acquired this company, did you keep on staff any of the technical people, or, or how did you, you know, did you have to retrain people, or, I mean, I can't imagine, March is not that long. Yeah, I had the luxury of keeping the, the premier staff that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the old company had a few too many people, and I probably, I couldn't keep everybody. Sure. But I could go through the roster and take absolutely the creme de la creme. And that, in hindsight, really two things happened. I'll, I'll tell a secret to you and everybody <laughs> listening. My secret eventually, or originally, was I was going to buy the company and move it down to Norco, where I lived. And during my due diligence phase of about a month before it closed, I went back to my hotel room in Santa Barbara and I hit myself on the head and I said, Jeff, you idiot. Not here, <laughs> here are the people that know how to run. Like you said, the, it, the telephone business is a very technical business. And if given the right guidance, they had the right knowledge and the right tools. They just didn't have the right business rules. And by bringing in the right business rules and the right controls and the right coaching from time to time, I felt that this group, could really be a premier group of of, uh, telecom professionals and how stupid of me to think that it was better to let all those people go and go out to Norco and hire 12 newbies and then think that they could get there. And now that I look back three and a half months later, four months later, that was a brilliant uh, thought that I had that day. (laughs) And uh, it is just, it has enabled me not to walk, but to run to where I want to go. We are fulfilling the business plan. I love it. I love it. What about moving the family? Was there any opposition there? You know what? Uh, I thought that there was going to be. And uh, to be honest, I, you know, I'm, I'm a family guy. And, and I decided to keep the staff in Santa Barbara. So I was going to go to Santa Barbara two to three days a week and stay in a hotel room and continue to live in Norco. And one day over dinner, when I was uh, um, around the dinner table, um, I said to my family, I said, you know what? It's up to you guys. Um, if you guys are happy living here, I'm very comfortable with that. 
and I'll go away two or three days a week, and we can continue to live here, and everything will be just the way it is. Um, if you guys are interested in moving, then I'm for that, too. So we took a drive uh, the next weekend up to Santa Barbara and went over the San Marcos Pass <laughs> into the Santa Inez Valley. And, uh, you know, of course, we have four horses. And uh, my kids and my wife looked at me and said, this is the place. We like it. How awesome. How awesome. I know that. That's awesome. Well, with your involvement with um, nonprofits so much or working in the community, I guess, is, is a good way to put it. What, uh, any plans for Blue Casa to do anything exciting? Uh, yeah. And I'll say that some things we do in a big way and some things we do in a very small, quiet way. Um, when I first took over the business, we had a lot of surplus computers and office supplies and we went and donated them to uh, to the Boys and Girls Club up there. Mm. Um, so that's a small thing we do. You know, we don't ask for any recognition of that. It's just something that uh, when you go home at night, you can you can lay in bed and feel just a little bit better about yourself. And so that felt great. Um, the the biggest initiatives that we have on the drawing board right now is the small business educational seminars. And we're also going to start a uh, uh, a youth com- uh, technology education seminar-, seminar series as well. Oh, that'll be really exciting. Now, I'm a firm believer that if you have a business, it's really our obligation to do something in the community. And you know what? Um, even outside of your core business, even outside of telecom, uh, we we do encourage all of our employees uh, to to give back. I think that that's part of uh, what makes people happy and makes people feel good about uh, themselves and the company. And if there's ways that we can support them, absolutely. If somebody's going to volunteer, you know, one night a week or one day a week and they need to leave a couple of hours early to do that, you know what, um, I'm all for that. Because, you know, you, you talk about employee retention. What does it take, you know, to, to go out and get a great employee? <laughs> um, if you have a great employee and you can spend just a few dollars in resources to make them very fulfilled with not only their position, but their standing in the community and their standing with the company, um, I'm, I'm very supportive of that. But you know what? You're really right. I remember when I first moved to California and um, back in the early 1990s, I think it was, I, I used to volunteer at the Marine Base. I built, for, I built uh, six-sided tables and skateboard jump ramps with the kids. And you know what? It actually made me feel better than, the, than I think than the kids did by doing it. Oh, absolutely so, it yeah, does. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I had a situation when I was at Telscape where there was a fire in uh, downtown Santa Ana at at a house, at, at a apartment house and 20 uh families were were displaced mm. uh it was in uh um supervisor um Correa's district mm-hmm. and his district office sent out um, a a news flash about this fire at at the Lions Community Center and uh uh you know just to let everybody know and I thought to myself, wow, you have 12 families that just got displaced. So I went to the company safe and I pulled out a stack of phone cards, prepaid phone cards. 
and I drove out there. And as the Red Cross was uh, putting together care packages for the, for the families, I dropped three phone cards <laughs> into each bag. And then I just left. You know, mm-hmm. once again, it's not about the recognition. It's about doing the right thing because families in a crisis like that, they need to stay in contact with, with, with their family. They need to stay in contact with their job. They need to stay in contact with their, with their kids. Um, and, you know, during that time of trauma, just anything that you can do just to, you know, help them out. So, um, yeah, it is those sorts of things that really make you feel good. And people do talk. I mean, when things are good, what do they do? They call and they talk about it. When they're bad, what do they do? They call and they talk about it. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> so I think communications, I think it could probably solve the problems of the world if we would all learn to communicate a little bit better. That's right. So you should feel good about this company that you guys are working on. So now what states are you, uh, is, is this just a California-based company or is this, this going to be growing more or, you know, mm-hmm. what's the plan with that? You know, right now we're in uh, California. Uh, we're, we're licensed to sell telephone service in California. Uh, and uh, we, we do have plans to grow geographically through other states. I've always been very ambitious and very entrepreneurial. And I've been, uh, I've been starting and growing companies all my life. I owned my first company when I was 15 years old. Wow. Yeah, I had a. What was that? Um, I had a. I had a swap meet business where um, a, a, a friend of my sister's, her dad, owned a health and beauty aids company, and they sold shampoos and rinses, conditioners and soaps to grocery stores. And he would take all of his damaged cases that he couldn't sell, and he didn't know what to do with them. So I started taking them out to the swap meet and and selling that, and I built up a little business of three swap meet trucks, and I had crews that would go out to each one. I had to hire people that were 16 so they could drive me around town, and uh, and that that was my first business. That's so cute. Reminds me of a book that I read once. It's called The Runt Pig Principle, and it's uh, written by a guy that was from, um, well, lived in Balboa Island. I don't know. I think he was from Texas, actually, but he wrote a book when during the depression when the pigs were um were the runt pigs he would go by that they weren't going to make it anyway and he said he nurtured them got them up to you know you take what somebody doesn't use and make it you know it's a great experience you know (laughs) absolutely so but now what about your uh, i understand that you have one son that's in the military yeah, actually, he just got out um, a few months ago. Uh, he got a job as a police officer in a small rural community, Tenino, outside of uh, Seattle. Uh, he got married and is doing really, really well. You know, it is just, uh, it is very, very rewarding to mm-hmm. sit back and watch one of your kids uh, you know, make their own way in life. That's amazing. No, I think it's, you know, you have to respect, did he go overseas at all during his deployment? Yes, actually, uh, he had he had one tour in Iraq. Um, he, uh, one of his ambitions when he went in was, I think, to get just about every special certification he could, uh, you know, in the Army. Mm-hmm. So he became a sniper. He got the licenses to drive all their cars. He got the certifications to shoot all the guns. But the fortunate thing probably for him is it took him so long to get all these certifications that when he got done, he only had time to do one tour in, in Iraq. And so he did. He did his 15 months there. Wow. And uh, the Army came after him pretty hard to get him to re-up, but he was uh, pretty set that he wanted to come home and get married. 
I have to tell you, I have so much respect for those guys. I actually built a six-sided table, red, white, and blue. And the lady, well, no, it wasn't Norco she was from, but she was from out, she was out inland empires, in, inland somewhere. Anyway, uh, I painted it red, white, and blue, and kids signed it, and we gave it to her son, Pat. Her son was shot and killed over there. And it's just like, it's, you know, you, these, you know when people get out there and, and do what they do, these, these young people, it's not just guys, it's gals out there, too, in the military. You have to give them a lot of respect. Yeah, and, you know, we have some relatives that, that, that were in the armed forces, uh, me and my wife were not, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I was really fully embracing his idea of, of joining the Army. I know that my wife was very nervous. And then one day I thought, you know, what would you do if he came home and said he wanted to be a race car driver? He could die at any race. Would mm-hmm. you still go to the race? Would you sit in the stands? Would you cheer him on and support him? Absolutely, it was. It really right. does. That, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. And wow. so, so that was my defining moment. And at that point, I decided, you know what, we could not support him mm-hmm. and take the risk of ruining a great family relationship, or we sh- could support him like like a parents really could. Mm-hmm. And looking back now, our relationship has flourished so much from from that period. Mm-hmm. Jeff, um, we only have a minute or so left. I'd like for you to give some contact information out on how people can reach you um, for, you know, telecommunications, if, you know, if you could, please. Absolutely. If people are interested, they could go to bluecasa.com. And uh, I still have a Norco phone number. They could reach me at 951-893-7206. Well, again, you're listening to Operation Community Stimulus. My name is Ann. Um, this is on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. The views on this show are not necessarily the views of KUCI, UCI, or its Board of Regents. And to learn more about the program, log on to KUCI.org. And thank you again, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> I see trees of green. Red.